Hello, everybody, and thank you, Janet Lee. Wow, I never get tired of hearing those fingers ripple across the keyboard. And hello, everybody out there. This should be a very interesting, very interesting and deep word study today because we're going where very few others have ever dared to go. And we're taking you into the deep of the deep. So have your Bibles ready. Have your heart ready. Have your, your insights to God ready. Because God wants to lead you out of the darkness. God wants to lead you into a place where you can feel confident and you can feel assured that you're getting the whole word, not just a part of the word, but you're getting the whole word of God. This whole word of God is relevant to salvation because, you know, the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And God was that word. So coming into that kind of knowledge is far more important than what sometimes people can even, even begin to think. Now in this latest mail-out announcement that we made, we were telling in it how that there are many important truths of, of knowledge uh, that have been undefined and, you know, have not been, not been made known like they should be made known. Uh, but how that in the potential of the word, there's literally trillions of geometric or dimensional points that can be made. And uh, I won't have the time today to get into all of the fine art of that. Uh, but I I'm going to go back over some scriptures. I'm going to go back over some scriptures. And I want you really to listen to the scriptures this time in a way that you've not li listened before. Because without that kind of... Uh, knowledge, uh, you'll only know in part, and you'll be looking through the glass darkly. So God wants his people to get over that place in time and even in, in limited spirit where they're looking through the glass darkly. God wants his people to be in a place that they are open to the whole word of God. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, and we're going to read. We're going to read quite a few scriptures today, as we get into this word, and look at uh, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-seven. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-seven. It tells us something about the vastness of God's universe and universes. It's it's just it's just awesome. Uh, this word of God and and how complete and full and powerful it is. Here we go. Jeremiah 31, 37. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off the seed of Israel for all that they have done. Now, there's more to that verse than what might just meet the eye. If 
the heavens above, if the universe above can be measured, and by measuring it means to come to a comprehension of it, to understand it. And he says, if that, if that can be done by just examining the stars and examining, you know, uh, the various aspects of what the universe is, he says, then my promise to Israel is, is, is not worth the, worth the salt. And what he is saying is that there are certain amount of things that can be known physically from physical uh, some symbolistic things. But to really get into knowing the things that have the long truth, it has to come by the Spirit. The Bible even tells us that the letter of the law kills. It, 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 it's, it's a depreciative uh, 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 potential. But that the, it is the Spirit that makes things to become alive. So we have to keep that in mind, this thing about the spirit. And we have to remember that we are, we are a, a compound being. We are half flesh and blood, and we are one half spirit. So we're compound. We're spirit and we're, we're flesh. Now, as we think about that statement in Jeremiah, if the, if the earth, if, if the, if the, uh, Heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth. The foundations, you know, another way of saying, what, what was the cause of why the earth was made? What was the cause of why this universe exists? What, what is the cause? And, and, and is this it? Is this the, the first time ever? Has there ever been any other creations has God, just after having lived for endless eternities, just now decided to have uh, the earth uh, made? Or were there uh, creations and, and heavens and, and alpha ages uh, prior to that time? Well, let's, go, let's, let's look then at, uh, at, Jer uh, at uh, St. John 14. Now, I am going to be going over some scriptures I've given you before. I'm going to be going over some statements that I've made before. But the unction of the Holy Spirit in me abides with the understanding that unless I repeat these things so that they are etched into your mind and so they are etched into your hearts, that the real understanding of them will just remain in absentee, and we intend to take you beyond that absentee thing, to where you can come into the the glory of this of this knowledge. And we're going to just read, you know. And, and there's a whole lot more scriptures that we could have read, but we're going to read some prime scriptures that just uh, sort of tell us the story. Now, in John, the Gospel of John, verse four, uh, chapter fourteen. King James, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now that's an interesting thing. You know, yes, I want you to believe in God. But it is important that you also believe in me. Jesus specifically made a conjunction there. 
he, he created a, a, a super and, A-N-D, uh, that there is, there is God, and then there is, there's me, Jesus Christ. And he said, um, uh, you know, uh, believe in God and believe in me. We begin to see that this thing of salvation, this thing of being saved and being born again, has a much greater margin of span than people have ever begun to recognize. The Bible says that Jesus came, or would come, and he did come, speaking parables. And that these parables would contain in them truths of, of uh, ancient, mysterious knowledge. The Bible says that the, that the light shone in darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. So the problem has been is that there have been attempts by the Holy Spirit, by the prophets, by Jesus Christ, to get the message out. But there has been a roadblock because people have just not been able to comprehend it. No doubt one of the reasons they don't comprehend it is because their heart is not into it. Their heart's into their survival, their desires, their funds, their and I'm F-U-N, fun, and all the things that they want to do and, you know, their jobs and their homes, and, and we're not knocking any of those things. But there has to always be room in the heart for the things of the Spirit. Now, he goes on then and says, don't let your heart be troubled. You will know that you are not on the right path when you leave a church service and you have been preached at for 30 minutes or an hour and you are just given things that terrify you about the end of the world and about the government and about everything that's going on in the world uh, where there is just a environment of fear engendered. You will know that you're not in the right camp when you have that because it goes against the teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, you know, let not your heart be troubled. In the statement, it really incorporates the fact that you do have some control. You have con control who you listen to, who you believe. You have control over your nerves because he says, let not. He's talking to, you, to, the, to the people that are listening. Let this not be. You have a choice. Choose to stay who you will serve. Choose to stay whether you will be serving the Prince of Peace or, 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 or the devil of, of warfare. Choose. God wants you to choose. Okay. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now Jesus just suddenly brings up uh, something that really isn't written anywhere else in the Bible. The Father's house. Ar around about the edges, if you would use the term Bethany, which also means house, and some of the experiences like 
Jacob had, and, and, and you can find the idea in the Old Testament of the father, and you can find the idea of house. But uh, never in such a bid of, 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 uh, of speaking of, and welcoming a person to come. In my father's house are many mansions. Uh, a correlative explanation of, of the profoundity uh, that, is, that is involved in the father's house. It's, it's just absolutely striking. It's absolutely amazing. If it were not so, I would have told you. There's something pretty comforting about that. There's, I think, in a lot of ministries today, there's things that some of the ministers know, but they don't share with the people because, um, because they, they just don't want to then have the, the questions that will follow and all the work it is to try to make these people uh, to understand what the whole, whole of some issue is. Jesus said, Here, here's the way I do things. If something is not true, I would tell you that. You would know. I wouldn't leave it just dangling. I will, I will let you know what that is and what it, or what it is not. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Okay, now let's go on because we're not really to the point that I want to make. <clears throat> so he goes on and um, verse three, and if and if I and if I and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where where I am, there you may also be. And whether I go, you know the way. Now, that's the point that I want to dwell on today. Where I go, you know the way. There are things that you as a human being, because of what a human being is and has been before they were in the, clothed in the mortal fleshly body, that still retains knowledge, incredible, fantastic knowledge. And you know that knowledge but it's in a sub subconscious state. Now Thomas immediately in the next verse spoke up and said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. How can we know? Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth. Enfolded in the words of Jesus, he made it clear that there were deliverances called divine thoughts that could open up the galleries of our mind, that could open up the galleries of our spirit, that could open up within our innermost being rivers of living universes full of knowledge, full of glory, full of wondrous things that the normal human mind could not even begin to imagine or comprehend. But get this point and get it down good because this is very, very important. And that is that Jesus said, you know, and he's talking to his disciples. Well, that is not only applicable to the disciples because this word was given for all of us. 
but it means that all of us know these things. We already know about the Father's house. We already know about the mansions. We already know about why Jesus is going there to prepare a place. It's, it's embodied within our, our subconsciousness. And that's the point that I really want to get into your mind. For instance, if, if you turn with me to Job 38. And Job is uh, just before uh, Psalms. And we look at Job 38. There is a parallel to this that is just, in my opinion, utterly fantastic. Okay. Now, in 38 verse 1 it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Sometimes you can't get the deepest answer just sitting down in a quiet little spot trying to figure out the scriptures. Jesus made that point. You study the scriptures because in them you think you have everlasting life. But he inferred that, you know, that is not getting you anywhere because that is not how the revelation of what the scriptures uh, have to say uh, is gotten. So now we see here as we read this that this was a whirlwind experience. And we can think of when Elijah was taken up it was a whirlwind experience. We can think of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost when it came. It was a whirlwind experience, a mighty wind, a rushing wind, filling all the house where they were sitting. What we are bringing into this dynamic approach of insight is about and is from is a whirlwind experience. And this whirlwind experience is something that uh, you need to really comprehend in a way that uh, you've never even thought of comprehending it before. This goes on in verse 2, Job 38, verse 2. Who is this that dark, darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? A lot, a lot of what's going on out here in the world especially in the Christian world and, and, and in the religious world, uh, are situations that we have people that are preaching, teaching, pe people that are, uh, that, that are go going on in a way that uh, they think they really know something, but they really don't. And uh, so, so what is uh, saying here is that that kind of an experience happens um, um, and and um, it's um, common it's it's very common so I hope that uh, you can see this point and the point is is that um, why is it people are not being able to see the whole truth, and yet they've spent years and years uh, going to church and studying. Why is that? Well, that's because what they're being taught, the word they're receiving, has darkened the revelation of the truth. Because it's, it's not a correct word. 
It's not a correct teaching. I'm not saying everybody out there is in that category by any means. There definitely are men of God out there. There's always like the, the Bible said, I have 7,000 knees that have never bowed to Baal. There's always those people of God out there. But we have to understand that, that erroneous teachings can darken the revelation of the truth. And that is what is being taught here. It comes to a point that if you want to get over that, that mountain of, of misinformation, you've got to do what it says in the third verse. You've got to gird up your loins. So when you gird up your loins uh, like a man, I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. Now to understand this, the Bible says, in Job here, you've got to gird up the loins. Now the, another scripture says, gird up the loins of your mind. And I believe that is what is really the reference. Gird up the loins of your mind. You've you, you got to be determined that you're going to uh, go through those gates to the glory of the glories, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from revelation to revelation. And as Paul wrote, let us go let, let, lay it aside the principles of the foundations of the doctrines of Jesus Christ, the laying out of hands, the baptisms, the resurrection, etc., etc. Let's go on to perfection. And so those things are, uh, are a privilege for you. You will gird up the loins of your mind and, and uh, you, you will want to be able to answer God's questions. Where were you? When I lay the foundations of the earth, declare if you have understanding. Now, anybody out there that cannot answer that question, they are categorized as, as being without understanding. Because God is not asking something that cannot be answered. He's not just playing a game of tantalization. So when he says, where were you? This is including every reader of this Bible. This is including every human on earth. Where were you? when I laid the foundations of the earth. Where were you? Consciously, you know. Subconsciously, that truth is already in you. Because that is totally inferred and, and scripturalized. And so then it goes on. Where, uh, who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest? Who has stretched a line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. All, all the sons of God shouted for joy. The morning stars, you were there, ladies and gentlemen. You're part of those morning star sons of God. You are part of them. And you already have this knowledge. All these things that I am ministering is already embedded in you, deep, deep down in the subconscious. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and, and then there's, in that same chapter, and the Word was made flesh. And we could go on, and the Word was made, was made land, and the Word was made water, and, and the Word was made sky. 
and the word was made mountains and hills and valleys and the word was made various kinds of creations all right now where were you you were there you already know just like in the book of John uh, st. John chapter 14 it's where I go you know we don't know said Thomas yes you do said Jesus you do know you do know now in that same chapter verse 21 it says knowest thou it because because thou was then born they put a question mark but the thing of it is is that question marks periods punctuation did not exist in the original uh, cortex, did not exist in the original uh, scripture. Didn't exist. That's all been added. And that's why many of the other versions of the Bible, what they do, what they say is, you know, for you were, you were there. You know, for you were born at that time. And the number of your days is great. I'm trying to get this message across across to, to my followers and to the people that are listening to this message. If you cannot get into that, that revelation that the number of the days and the word is yom, which which can incorporate all kinds of other words, even like forever and 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 countless without countless worlds without end. I mean it can it can include seasons, it can include so much. You know subconsciously you know these things and you people that don't have the conscious understanding of them then you are without understanding in your in in, in the, the deep spiritual aspect of your mind you're without understanding so God is really making it clear you know because you were born then you know because you were born then and, and you should just repeat and 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 you should just say with me, I know because I was born then. And the number of my days are great. I know because I was born then. And the number of my days are great. And just repeat that over and over and over until it is really birthed in you. Just uh, just make sure that it's, it's birthed in you because because. That is utterly important. Now turn with me to Ephesians. Like we're going to hit some of these good old scriptures that we just can't get around. We've got to keep it going. We've got to make sure that you really have these scriptures in your heart. And look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9 through 11 to begin. Three, chapter 3, verse 9. I read this to you last week, but it's such an important scripture. I have to... Keep reading it. And to make all men, A-L-L, see what is the fellowship of the mystery. If, if you're not into mysteries, then you're not into the fellowship. You say, I just don't like to get in all that difficult, complex, mystery stuff. I just want to keep it simple. But that's not the plan of God. The plan of God is to make all, A-L-L, men know the fellowship. 
And if you're not into those things of the mysteries, you are then not into, into the fellowship. And God wants you to be into the fellowship of this knowledge and of this reality and manifest realization. So the important thing there then uh, is make, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. From the beginning of the world, these things have been hidden. And you'll see as we get further into this, the story of that. But he's made it possible now through Jesus Christ and, and, and his Holy Spirit that we can come into this uh, uh, conscious awareness and that we can know these things and God wants us to know it because it is a fellowship of truth and it is a fellowship of, uh, of uh, spirit souls. Blessed be the name of God. Now, let's go on here. And um, it says, verse uh, uh, 10, to the intent. Now, this is how serious it is. This is the degree of importance it is. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. What is basically saying that if you do not know this fellowship mystery to the intent that it has to do with the, the principalities and powers of light and darkness, that you are then missing out on having the armory and the tools, and the knowledge to defend the Word of God, of which the Bible says, study to show yourself approved a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, and be able to give an answer unto all men who might inquire of the hope that lies within you. If you can't give an answer, if you can't really explain the difference between the Bible and evolution, the difference between the long stretch of time and, and the little short stretch of time that most of the Bible people say. If you can't understand the answer to all of that, then you're not into the fellowship of the mystery. And you are not prepared to be able to give an answer unto all men because you haven't got that answer in your consciousness. And it's a serious thing. That is the intent of God's plan. That is the intent of God's will. And it says that to the intent that now to the principalities and powers. And, and, and we know about those principalities and powers. We know that, uh, that, that you know, the, 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 the scriptures uh, tell us uh, uh, who those principalities and, and powers are. And uh, so we don't have to be, you know, uh, uh, fooled on that. Uh, we, we, do, we do know that. Blessed be the name of God. So I'm just, I'm just hoping and praying that you will, um, you will open your minds today in a way you've never opened them before. That you will really, really get into this revelation because this revelation is the intent of the will of God. All right, let's look at, um, at another uh, scripture here. Let's look... Um, uh, on uh, in continuum uh, to the intent that now the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known. They want God wants you to know about 
Jesus Christ. And, and uh, uh, God wants you to know that, that um, as, the scripture, as the Scripture says, if all the things were written that should be written, God wants you to know that. They should be written. God wants you to know. And so if you don't know that, then uh, you, you, you're actually, um, you're actually in, in shallow waters, waters that are going to hamper you. Okay. And this whole thing about this knowledge is to be known to the church, and it's about the manifold wisdom of God. It's just not a one selective sheet. It's a manifold according to the internal, eternal purpose purposed in Christ Jesus. Jesus is now that uh, frame. He's the, he's the main, main embodiment of it. And, and it's according to the eternal purpose that God is saying you need to know these things. Now, why am I explaining all this? Because as I just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper into these past events, for you to have the realization of, 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 of the truth and the joy of, and pleasure of this revelation being brought to your minds. You need to really, you know, you need to really get into it and, and give it the, the purpose and the reason uh, that, that is the intent of it having been given. Now, uh, in the 17th verse of the same chapter, chapter 3, it talks about um, that, uh, uh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and, and ye being rooted and grounded in love. If you are rooted and grounded in love, and God is love, verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints. So this thing about consciousness is tied into the comprehension. You have this knowledge, but you're not comprehending it, hinting it, you're unaware, until something happens through the Christ and Holy Spirit, of which the Bible promises that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth, which is a very important statement that says all truth has not been given, all truth has not been known, but the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into that, and it will actually restore your memory, which is part of the problem in this land of forgetfulness that has happened. So, let's go on. And let's read this, the rest of this. That you may be able to comprehend with all saints. He wants it to be a body ministry. He wants all saints to eventually move up from the 30-fold and the 60-fold and get into the 100-fold realization. What is the depth, the length, the depth, the height? All the dimensions. God wants you to know. God wants you to know. And to know the love of Christ which, which passes knowledge that you might be filled all filled with all the fullness of God. And in verse 21 it says, unto, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Now, the word used there for the word world without end actually is tied into the term uh, perpetuity. So it is even different than eternity. Some people say, well, I thought eternity would be, would be the same as perpetuity. Uh, perpetual. Uh, no, it is not the same, because you know there is there are there's forever and then there's forever and ever, and there is eternity and there's eternities, and uh, but perpetuity is a never 
ending, never stopping. It does not go from from one uh, source of energy to another source of energy, from one source of uh, continuity to another source of continuity. It is it is an uh, an utter uh, uh, action and energy of perpetuity that is world without end. So this thing about world is not some little simple uh, tit-tat-toe game uh, about this earth world or this even this universe world. It's, it's about beyond this universe, beyond this earth, beyond the universe that was before that, and beyond those kingdoms that were uh, in that other universe, and then beyond that, and then beyond that, and beyond that. It's, it's world without end. It's a perpetuity of truth that is so absolutely extensive that uh, it, it, it can't be compared to anything. Okay, now um, let's look at this scripture in John twenty one twenty five. I've already quoted it, but let's, let's read it because there's something I want to point out to you, a little different than I've ever pointed it out before. And, and this is that last verse of the last chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 25. And there are also, A-L-S-O, many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, every one. I supposed that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Now let's look at that. Let's really look at that. First off, when it says here, and let me read it, there are many other things which Jesus did to which if they should be written. I suppose that even the world, the word for that is cosmos. I suppose that not even the universe could contain this. This story of Jesus, the really story that goes back about Jesus, when Jesus says, I am the Father, I am the Father God. It goes back, people just say, well, no, Jesus is just about, is only about when Jesus was born on earth and he came to earth. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Jesus is about, is about also who he, he is and, and the names that he bears. He bears the name Jesus Christ as Savior Messiah. But the Bible says there will be a time he's going to have a new name. When all the people are saved that are going to be saved, he'll be given a new name. So we've got to know all of that. We've got to know about the connection, the, the Father connection. And we've got to know about things like when Jesus said, I have many things to share with you and to tell you, but you cannot comprehend them now. But this I will tell you, you know. I'm here on earth, but at the same time I'm here on earth, I'm in heaven. Now you check it out, you'll find that that's what it says. I'm paraphrasing it. So, let's get this. There are many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the universe could not contain. And what does it really mean by contain? Is it really talking about uh, about uh, volume? No. It's talking about conclusion. And what it's saying, 
I suppose that not even the universe could conclude the story. Could not conclude. It couldn't put a dot at the end of it. It couldn't finish the story. Because it's not just one book, as you'll see. It's books. There's a plurality. So this universe is a, is, is a book. There are other books. It's books. So this universe alone cannot conclude the whole story. It can't. And what are we doing with this manifest realization teaching? We are taking you, like in this teaching of the Gog factor, the Gog and the Magog factor, we are, we are taking you out of here and we are taking you into worlds, into the worlds before. We're taking you into the Alpha Ages, is, which is the intent of what God wants to have done. All right, I'm going to take a little, little moment here for an interlude. I'll be back in approximately five minutes. May God bless you.
All right, so here we go. Praise God. Just to finish up on this, uh, for now, for this scripture of John twenty-one twenty-five, <clears throat> the manifest uh, would describe the scripture in like this: this universe, which the word is actually instead of world, is actually cosmos in the Greek, could not conclude all the word that pertains to the story of Jesus Christ that should be written. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us it should be written. If all the books were written that should be written, now what are we doing? We're writing books. What does the Bible tell us? It tells us that should be done. I don't need anyone with a big honker horn blowing in my ear trying to tell me that, that there's no other word but what is in the Bible. Because everything that's out there in the creation, even things that are not even mentioned in the, in the, in the, in the Bible, inventions and various creations, the Bible concludes that all things were made by him. So even though it's not mentioned in the Bible, they nevertheless are, are, are real and are a part of the framework of God. And the Bible tells us in the book of, of Revelations about the seven thunders. And that when the seven thunders have finally, uh, have finally uttered their voices, that the mystery of God is going to be finished. So we know that up until that time happens, the mystery of God is not conclusively revealed. People have not come into their subconscious mind so that, so that they would not have to answer like Thomas. Say, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. I don't know where you're going. Jesus says, yes, you do. And so it says these things should be written. Well, is it important then for you people that are out there listening to these manifest revelations to understand that God has raised up a word, that God has raised up by the Holy Spirit a ministry, and that this ministry is doing the things that the Bible tells us is the intent of God's will, the intent of God's plan, that it is his desire, and that we're doing those things by revealing that? Well, I hope that you are there. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The only way you're going to understand about the worlds, and that word is perpetuity, the, the, the ongoing, you know, the world without end, or worlds without end would be proper too. Worlds without end, the only, the only way you're going to understand that story that goes before this universe, beyond this universe, which cannot, which, which cannot comprehend the total of it in the sense of, of providing the conclusive aspect. Because if you're just going to talk about only what happens on earth, you're just going to have a very limited knowledge of anything about God and everything else. If you're going to talk about even what's happening in the whole universe, you still are going to be in a limit. So you've got to get your minds open so that you can have the fullness of God. 
And in that fullness of God, God is going to take you uh, to, to uh, thoughts of perpetuity, worlds without end. He's going to show you the Alpha, as I quoted to you, I believe it was in Isaiah 41, the Alpha Ages. He's going to show these things to you. He's, he's not going to leave you hanging. So, so why do we need to know those things? Well, I'm, I'm going to uh, offer that uh, to you just uh, in a little bit. But uh, I, I'll tell you what, uh, God uh, does not want you left out. And I, I just want people to get excited and say, I don't want to be left out. I want to know these things. Don't, don't let the voice of Satan come to you and say, oh, that's too complicated. You don't need to know that. You don't need to know, know, you know what that, that is really saying. Uh, don't, don't, don't listen to that, ladies and gentlemen. God is, uh, is, is saying, as I quoted you, Isaiah 41, 4, who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning or from the Alpha, and I, the Lord, the first, the Alpha, and the last, the Omega. So there we have, as I already uh, ministered to you several times, the Alpha Ages mentioned right there in that scripture. And how are you going to know, know this thing about the worlds? Through faith. Through faith you're going to understand the framing of those worlds, the lattice of those worlds. That's, that's what you're going to find out, through faith, uh, which is, is all part of, the, of, of, of your spirit of believing, but it's also part of your spirit of the, of, of the knowing of the doctrine of God. And so that is absolutely super. Okay, now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's just take a fast look at that because it, it does tell us something. goes right along. Oh, there's so many scriptures we could get into, but we, only, we don't have the time. And, and we'll start with um, verse 1. And I, brother, and, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, I have so many people say to me, when I try to tell these things in the church, they, they just think I'm blasphemous. They think I'm of the devil. Well, here's what Paul did. He was determined not to reveal the things that, of all those uh, long period of time he spent out in the desert, receiving the revelation, uh, he, he was determined that he was not going to come with that picture to meet the people. He was going to come into those churches because they had a limited thing they believed, and he was going to come to them on a, on a, on a, a scale uh, that was just way down on a low level. And, and uh, now, now why? Well, let's just look into it, because uh, in the second verse here he said he was determined not to know, and, and, the, and the word know there is a very interesting word. It doesn't mean to have the knowledge. It's, tux, it's like, almost like that word that says, and, and, and these two people knew, knew each other, which meant they, they had an intimate relationship and then had a baby. Uh, so he was determined not to have that intimate revelation of the deep things to those people because he knew they were not ready for it. They were still on the milk of the word. Uh, but listen now to what he says about those people uh, when he speaks and puts it in his uh, personification uh, uh, experience. Okay, he says, And I was with you, 
So he, he, he joined them in that level that they were in and, and uh, so that he could fellowship them and eventually uh, be able to discover which ones might be interested in the deep word of God. And he says, I was, I was with you, uh, and, and, um, uh, and this is the condition, in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. So what he's saying is the people that were in that lower faith that don't, do, don't have the fullness of the revelation of God, that, that they are weak, they have fear, and they just tremble at every thing. Their fear is so great. They just tremble at every little thing that comes up that, that uh, they're not expecting or they're not sure of. And he had to join them in that state of weakness, fear, and trembling. That's where people are today in the church world. They're in fear, they're in weakness, and they're in trembling. And he goes on, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, what is he saying? He was saying, I did not speak, even though I, I came with this kind of an approach. I did not speak using uh, high intellectual sentences that, that were man-created doctrines. But he says, I spoke things in the Spirit. And by speaking them in the Spirit, it was along the line, uh, not exactly, but along the line of, of Jesus when he was speaking in the Spirit in parables. He would give them a parable, and that seemed like, you know, like a funny book cartoon to them, a story. They could, they could take that. But what they did not realize is that imbued in that parable were the mysteries of God. And because he says, I, uh, Jesus will come and speak in parables th that the dark sayings uh, and, and the mysteries, uh, you know, will be able to be opened. And so it was a planting, you know. And, and Paul says, I planted, Apollo watered. He planted these things. He planted these seeds of thought, these seeds of truth, these seeds of revelation, all on the slate of simplicity. But he just didn't go there and didn't just preach simplicity and preach, uh, preach uh, in the constant of fear, trembling, and weakness. But he presented himself in their profile, but at the same time, he was by the Spirit sowing this deep word into them. Now, now we, can, we can see the verification of that as, you know, as we go on. Verse 5, uh, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Verse 6, now listen to this. How be it, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, which come to naught. But we speak, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden mystery which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So there's the proof of what I said. He says, I, I'm actually speaking the mysteries of God. I'm actually speaking the hidden mysteries of God. But I'm, I'm speaking in, in, in a way that I'm sowing these seeds. But he said, these things, you know what they're about? He says, you know how relative they are to us? And listen to this, verse 6. It says, 
uh, or pardon me, um, it, it's, and it says here, and this is it's so, so neat, uh, verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. So they're speaking in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, this isn't just a wish of God. He went beyond his wish. He ordained it. He made it a part of ministry. He ordained there to be ministers, ordained there to be people who could go out and mingle among the people that don't have the deeper understanding. And, and uh, to the Romans be a Roman, to the Greek be a Greek. To the various kinds of people be what they are, but at the same time be able to bring forth these oracles, little bits, little pieces, little enzymes uh, uh, of, of, the, of the hidden mysteries of God. And why? Because those hidden mysteries of God are ordained by God before the world, be, be, before this world, before this universe. They belong to our glory. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when I'm teaching you these things like the Gog Factor, these are things that are ordained from before this universe. They're ordained to your glory to have that kind of knowledge and to have that kind of a preparation so that you can give an answer unto all men who might inquire of the hope that lies within you. And so, back to John twenty-one twenty-five, just briefly, the, the MIV version, the cosmos could not conclude. This cosmos can, could not conclude the word that pertains to the story or the books of Jesus Christ that should be written. And by faith, we're going to understand how all these worlds were framed and about them. By faith, we're going to come into this glory of God and this revelation of God. And I'm telling you, that's what's going on now. Now, last week, I shared some incredible things with you about this, um, uh, uh, the bottomless pit. I don't want to go over that again today, but it was pretty awesome uh, because what it did was open up uh, the, 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 in Revelations 9 uh, where it says the key is given to Satan for the bottomless pit, and then he opened up the bottomless pit and, and opened. It was uh, the Greek uh, uh, reference uh, out of the Greek concordance, uh, 455. And then we showed that that, uh, that um, 455 number, which represents the certain word open, came from a root, which root in Greek is, is 303. And we showed how that, that, that if you followed that to all the diff different references that I gave you uh, last week, that it's, it's about uh, overturning, it's about setting oneself forth, about uh, uh, the, the power to persuade uh, and overthrow, uh, to refresh itself, uh, uh, to abolish, to even murder, to rebuild, uh, to have a remembrance of things, and to have a license, a right to do them, uh, to exhibit, to recover, to rekindle, to stir up, to set up, to restore, to renew, uh, to have a sense of, of, the, of the reversal to be unveiled. And, and to gather together in one. 
and 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 that's not all of them. That's just that's just a few of them uh, that it gave. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it is it is so absolutely important. Uh, finally, um, in three o three, it says and to rise again and rebuild. So we see how important that was. We we talked about the ten words. I mentioned that again. How that in the the Ten Commandments is not mentioned in the original uh, uh, words of of the uh, Torah. It's not mentioned. But but um, uh, it doesn't say Ten Commandments. It says Ten Words. And then we showed you how that the plural compound of those Ten Words can contain both the negative and the positive, just like a set of atoms. You have the negative, the positive, and the neutron. And that is like one atom, because it has all those various parts. And so that uh, it was such a shame, such a robbery, when they put the uh, commandments there, because the last commandments that were shown, uh, and they, they were not the same as the first commandments, which were, which were all the commandments of love, but the, the other ones, you know, showed the destruction and the death and the penalty and the judgment and 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 the the sin and it it uh, it's just awesome how that God in his plan uh, made it so that uh, we could have this revelation and that we could get into those ratios where ten men will chase a thousand and a thousand uh, will be chosen out of ten thousand and uh, you know and all, all of those revelations, I, I can't go back over that whole thing. Uh, but to remember, to just to remind you again of this really, um, to remind you again of this really important thing of, uh, of the word uh, world, which in much of the Bible is cosmos. Biggest part of, uh, of John uses the word cosmos, and it's also in Matthew and, and other scriptures. But that in Matthew uh, 2414, we are to go and preach unto all the world, which actually is cosmos, is universe. And and the earth, believe me, is not the whole world. It's only a small fraction of the world. And uh, and to the end of the world is actually a phrase meaning the, the forever, which is the lifetime of a, uh, of a universe. So these things uh, have to have to be and in Mark 14, 9, it says that this gospel must be preached throughout the whole world, which is the whole cosmos. Uh, and if we can't get that thing about the, the time, then, then we're without understanding. And, and we've, we've talked about this book of the war, book of wars, uh, and how that, you know, I want to reconstruct that. And, and, and hopefully, uh, God given me the time to, to do a book of wars, uh, uh, to replace that lost book of wars, and to show the people of God uh, how that, you know, this book of wars, uh, Deuteronomy 4.30 through 34, and Deuteronomy 4.30, uh, also mentioned in the latter days, how important that that all is about, um, about things that are missing, things that have been taken away uh, because of the sin of the people and how that God wants to restore it and, and how he wants uh, people to have a recovery of the spiritual insight. And then we know that, that Satan is, he's a, a concern. And, and we see that in Revelations 2, 12 and 13, 
that even in the church that Satan can have a seat and, and that he can be operating even in the church. And we read that scripture about how that, that there are people who have darkened the truth. And, and so uh, Satan can work and it can be, he can use it as a seat of authority to make people think that they're believing the truth and knowing the truth when in fact the things that they are teaching are going against the summation of the whole truth. And, and those people are put into a, 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 you know, a grinding around a mill in which they are ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth because their teachings are circular thoughts. So we know that, that there was a big, big movement throughout time, and I suppose there's still people in the world that do believe that you know, they, they, Satan is worshipped as the sun god. <coughs> well, the sun is a star. And so this brings us back to the understanding that in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, that the stars were given for signs and times and seasons. And so if we want to know about time, uh, you're not going to find it out by taking a, a little, a, a bunch of sand and putting it in, a, in one of those uh, uh, sand clocks where you, you fill it at the top and then uh, you know it takes so long for the sand to dribble down into the bottom and then you turn it over and you get another hour. Uh, you, you're never going to know much anything about anything with that kind of time uh, keeping. But if you get into the, the revelation of the time keeping of, of worlds without end, uh, you get into this, you know, what framed the worlds before this universe, and into all of those kind of things, you're going to be into a totally different kind of knowledge and a totally different kind of understanding. And this is the intent of the meaning of God and what he wants. And so Satan knows that. That's why he's had this revelation about the sun god. People, uh, you know, uh, limiting that knowledge just to that. Now, <clears throat> how can this be so important for, for man to know that? Well, the Bible says, um, Hebrews 2.7, uh, you made man a little lower than the angels. Only a little lower than the angels. Uh, that man has no primitive preeminence now in his physical body above the physical uh, beast uh, all is vanity uh, Ecclesiastes 3.19 and all go into one place and, and are of the dust now when this say, says all go into one place and says that you know that, that you're going to be there and, and to the end of all time you have to understand man is compound it is not talking about what the spirit is going to do or where it's going to be. It's talking about where the bones and the flesh is going to be. So a lot of times people try to make it relevant that the whole being, including the spirit, is bound there in the earth. But that's not true. It's only the, the flesh and the bones that are, that are bound there in the earth. And, uh, and, you know, and, and then Job says, who knows the spirit of man that goes upward and the spirit of the beast that goes downward? We see then there's a differentiation. The spirit of the beast is temporal. The spirit, the spirit of man is eternal. They're two different things. They're two different things, although the body of man does have the beast uh, uh, personification. Uh, he still has the spirit, the, and, and not just the natural uh, spirit energy, but the, the soul spirit energy of that eternalness. So the, these things are, are uh, what God wants us to understand. 
that have to do with what the real God elect is about and the elect angels, what that story really is and, and, and the extent of what God wants us to have it. Now, we know in, in Romans 5.12, um, it says, Death passed upon all men, for all ha had sinned. Wherefore, by one, Adam's, man's sin entered into the world, and death because of sin. So, the sin that, that happened, that caused human beings to be human beings, uh, angels to fall, and fall er into matter and take on earthly body, happened not because of something that happened in the Garden of Eden. That had an effect on all humankind, but that was not the sin that caused the fall. The fall happened way, 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 way back in time. And, and it says in Romans 5, 12, Death passed on all men, for all had sinned. That all sinned, and, and it wasn't that Adam sinned and then everybody else got uh, accused of having sinned, but it says, Death passed on all men, for all had sinned, wherefore by one uh, man, Adam, sin entered into the world. It entered into the world. It wasn't even in the world, that sin that it's talking about. It entered into the world, because Adam was chosen to manifest sin for what it was. And when we begin to, to understand those things, we begin to see the importance. Now, we talked about there being so many different kinds of revelations, so many different kinds of, of things that people don't understand. Well, turn with me to Galatians. And um, let's, just, let's just get on a very interesting subject here. Galatians um, chapter 6, verse 17. And here's what it says. And let's see if I can find it here. Okay. In the, in the book of, um, of um, Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 17, it says, and this is Paul writing, from henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this has been uh, known in the church world as the stigmata. And this is where, like, either the wounds in the hands or wrists, um, the punctuation marks from the thorns on the forehead and around the head, the riveted spear that left a wound in the side, um, all of those various kinds of wounds, uh, you know, uh, there are, have been some people that have uh, been said to have experienced uh, an actual stigmata, an actual uh, case where they had uh, the signs and the marks of the suffering of Jesus Christ. Now, in the 30, 60, 100-fold revelation, you know, that, that is a 30-fold revelation. But in the 60, 100-fold revelation, um, it, it is, um, it is uh, somewhat uh, quite, uh, quite deeper than that. Um, let's, um, 
let's just look at a few things here. Let's look at uh, um, let's look at Romans six, and let's just see what God would give us on that. Uh, okay, Roman Romans six, um, and uh, look at uh, verse uh, four. Romans 6, verse 4. Okay. Here's what it says. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. And like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. And it goes on to say, we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. Now, that's very stigmata sounding. Bearing the, the wounds and the marks, you know, that, that's very stigmata sounding. That's very interesting. And then back over uh, to Galatians. Let's just, uh, let's just see what that has to say because uh, that's, that's pretty interesting when we get uh, into these uh, different revelations that... Uh, Sweep us away. They just they just sweep a person away. Look at Galatians two twenty, and here here's here's uh, here's what it says. Well, let's, yeah, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live; yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, that's very stigmata sounding. I am crucified with Christ. Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm crucified with Christ. Uh, we're giving you these scriptures because uh, they're very, very important. Let's look at, uh, um, at, at uh, Galatians 6.14 again and just read that. Okay, in 6.14, um, here, here, here's uh, 6.17, here's what it says. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my uh, body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Marks of the Lord Jesus. Now, now go to uh, uh, same chapter, Ephesians 6, now verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now get this, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. The world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Now, I want to, I want to get you into something. When we talk about transpositional, and we talk about going places that we have never been before, but being able to do this in Christ. A lot of times people don't have any problem about taking on the joy, taking on the, the laughter, taking on the glory. But taking on the death and taking on the, the suffering in the flesh, uh, they don't like to think about that or talk about that and say, no, we don't need to do it. Jesus did it for us. That is right. Jesus did do it for you. But then when you come into the trans-assimilation, and you are doing trans-assimilation, which is basically what the Lord's Supper represents. The whole idea is that you are taking on Christ, and you are taking on not only that 
which is right then, the resurrected Christ, but you are taking on the Christ before he was resurrected, before he was crucified, and with all the wounds that he had. And you begin to bear those in your body. And this is, this is what gives you the reward to be able to, to rise again because you are rising not as yourself, you are rising through the, the trans-assimilated Christ that you have taken on. And, and that is the power of overcoming because Christ overcame the world. That is the power of, of being able to open the mind that can see worlds beyond into other universes. It's, just, it's to be able to do this by trans-assimilation. So it is the most sensational stigmata of all. And the 30-fold is all right, have your hands bleeding and all that, but to get into the spirit trans-assimilation in which all of the evidence of those wounds, all of the evidence of everything from the birth in the cradle through that whole life of Jesus, and not only that, but as Jesus said on the 15th chapter I've quoted to you, when he said, you know, you know. He says, you know. He says, where, where I go, you know. And disciple Thomas says, no, I don't know. But Jesus said, yes, you do. And when you get in this trans-assimilation, you begin then to enter into that faith that frames the worlds. Because Jesus saw and knows the whole universe. And he knows the worlds. He knows the alpha ages. He knows the, the uh, omega ages. That's all in him. And, and, and so these books that should be written about the story of Jesus Christ also become part of your story because by trans-assimilation, you become incorporated into the Christ. And John says, Christ in me and me in Christ, the hope of glory. And so the hope of glory is all about that trans-assimilation and that is the most spectacular transposition uh, of all events that could ever happen as far as you as an individual and as far as collectively all the humans and mortals of this world. It is, it is a, a, a true spiritual stigmata. And, in an, and it is a way of going back and partaking in that. As you go back and you partake into those things, something else happens that's just absolutely so enlarged of truth that it's spectacular. Because the scripture says, let that mind which was in Christ Jesus be also in you. How do you take on that mind of Christ Jesus? Through trans-assimilation. As you trans-assimilate his wounds and you bear in your body the marks uh, and, and what are those marks of, of suffering really about? The pain, the agony? No, they're about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he, be, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. And as you take on that, that, oh, that beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, stigmata, within your spirit. Uh, you have all of those things. You, you also have the scripture, there's no greater love. No, no man uh, can, uh, you know, uh, has greater love than he that layeth down a life, his life for a friend. And there's no greater love that can say of people that have, have despised you and treated you and wanted to crucify you uh, than, than to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And as you take this on, and you can take it on, and it is the method that you must take on so that you begin to come into the mind of Christ. As you come into the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit gives you unction in that mind. 
so that it gives you a certain separation from your physical brain so that you can come into to the, the fullness and, and the beauty and the scope of all of these things that have been spoken before the foundations of the world. And Job said, so where were you? You know, because you were born then. You're already there. You're already in Christ. And trans-assimilation is just bringing you back in the conscious awareness of it. And, 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 and an example of, of the beginning of that was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so, when we get into these things about Gog and Magog, and we're talking about these other worlds, these other powers, uh, we're talking about an, e an eternal type of justification. Like Romans 7.4, let me just read that. Because uh, as, as this e eternal justification is something that we already have. We just have to come into it. Okay? Here we, here we go. Romans. Turn with me now to Romans 7.4. And this, uh, this is what it says. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married, that you should be married to another even to him who is raised from the dead, and that we should bring forth fruit unto God. It's scripture, ladies and gentlemen. It's the word of God. As you become dead in the sense that you are enlivened by the Spirit, then the things of the law do not apply to you anymore. Paul says, I'm not subject to the law. He says, it's just that sometimes it's, ex it's expedient to go along with it. But he says, I'm not going to get bound by anything. So when you really take Christ in, you're crucified with him. But not only are you crucified with him, you're brought back to, in Christ to where you were when, when he was the Lord of hosts and you were an Ophidim angel. And that's why in, um, in the teaching of the, the scriptures, uh, it gives us a verse in which it, it talks about um, you know, us becoming equal with the angels. And that is, that is so important. Here, here's what it said in Luke 20, 36. Neither can they die anymore. This is after the resurrection. For they are equal unto the angels. We're a little lower than the angels now because of the fall. We'll be equal. That's a restoration. That is a, a restoration, and that's what that's talking about. So as people come into that restoration, then they begin to really see some awesome, 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 incredible things. So how does that tie in for us? How does that uh, become like an oracle? Well, uh, here, here's an oracle. It's pretty deep. It, uh, not everybody's going to just be able to jump on it maybe and understand it. But uh, there, there is a word that God has. Let me read this. And 
we're taking this from Galatians 2.16 and 2. By the works of the law, the judgment of the law, no flesh can be justified. And we remember I taught you that scripture where it said the law was, was um, uh, unjust or that the law, the law was, was um, you know, uh, in other words, there's a shamefulness to the law. And uh, it, it, had, it had to be magnified. It, it, it called it dishonor. It, the law had, was dishonorable. Don't try to justify your actions done in your mortal body. Be they sins or strange things put on you to do by the Holy Ghost that to some persons appear to be sin but are not. Remember this, that God has chosen to give some people impunity and, and immunity so that, so that they, can, they can do things that other people cannot do. Uh, I used to use the example that I used to say some person might have a special hat and when they wear that hat, they just they just whelm up with the pride, whereas another person just wears it as though it's just an extra piece of clothing. Everybody reacts differently, and and can have a causation for having a sinfulness in them that that another, the same act would not affect someone else. And only by God can we can we know that. Uh, but don't try to justify your actions to people. If if you're called to do something, God tells you to do it, and you believe in your heart that you were you were to do it, then you that's what you do. Oh, sure. Sometimes people do make mistakes. They do misunderstand. The the Bible says they ask amiss, and that could also no doubt mean they do things amiss. But when you're doing things according to your knowledge and understanding, then. That is this eternal justification that I'm talking about. This e eternal justification uh, is so important because without, without really understanding that e eternal justification, uh, you're never going to get all the rut that you're in. And you've got to understand it. So don't try to justify it. You know, um, uh, just, just the only, the only, um, the only, obligations that you have about your sins and trespasses is to confess them to God. And, and that, that's the only obligation that you, that you have. Confess them to God. You don't have to confess them to, to uh, some man or some family member. Uh, that is not even scripture. God wants you to know that he is going to bring you into these wonderful, incredible, advanced things and as he brings you into these advanced things, uh, you will begin to see the connection. Let me read just a little bit more, and I'm going to have to tidy this up and bring it to a close. <clears throat> Therefore, go on with life and your call in life. Judge no other person for their sins or even their, their disdain of you. In Christ, there are those, those uh, who are destinata, and they have been chosen from before the foundations of the world to be what they are. The resurrection will verify that your appointment was of God. And I, for myself, stand fast in the calling of the holy manifest faith and all the liberty to wade boldly amidst the sins and struggles of the failed ones that I might, in Jesus' name, save some of them 
from the yoke of bondage. For the Lord said to me in a vision in my mind, when by the direction of the Holy Ghost you are led to cross dark waters, and those waters are full of sins and unpureness, fear not, dread not, because by destiny, when your heart is accounted to be pure, and when by the direction of the pure spirit of the Holy Ghost you cross the dark waters, your actions will also be accounted to be pure. And we remember that as we, as we translate and transassimilate into Jesus Christ, and this is important, we remember that he took on all the sins of the world. And he bare in his body those sins. So if we are taking on uh, the body of Christ in this stigmata, uh, we are also taking on all those sins of the, of the world. And, and, uh, and we're bearing them uh, for the whole world because we all belong together as a corporate group of ophanims that fell from heaven and that are wanting to become equal to their angel status again. And finally, as I bring this to uh, a, a closure here, um, you know, by the, the transimulation of Jesus Christ, I know I have been granted the power to forgive sins. John 20, 21 through 23. And I am not ashamed to stand before the gates of hell, forgiving in Jesus' name every sinner that God's grace will turn away from the pit of abyss. On the one hand, there may be that priest or that person out there that is scaring people to death and telling them that they're headed for hell. But I, I want to, by the transassimilation of Jesus Christ, be able to stand out there before those gates of hell that the, that, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. And I want to turn, turn away those people headed into the pit. I want to open up this knowledge. And I want to, uh, as I manifest these things, uh, be able to forgive people of their sins and, and to uh, have them be cleansed. Uh, because Jesus said, you know, forgiving people's sins is easier than the art of healing. You know, what is it? Easier? Is it not easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, than to say, okay, we're going to work on you to be healed? Well, I just am scratching into the surface of this, what I thought would be um, a longer teaching, but I've run out of time. A longer teaching of some of these deep things. God bless you so much. God keep you. May his spirit anoint you. We'll, we'll talk to you again next week. God heal you. Amen.